What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Wake Before the Day podcast. This is Clark. And Bobby Jean. So glad you're here. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome to our Wednesday podcast. Today, we are actually going to answer a question that we, uh, what was the day? What do we call it? The Wednesdays? Wednesdays, what's and why? We haven't done that in a while. We've been just kind of sticking to the the reading, which has been really fun. Mm -hmm. But this question might have popped up now that we're in Exodus. Um, I think we've had dialogue with a few people. And so we wanted to talk about today. Does God change his mind? Hmm. That's a really good question. Yeah. So there's passages sometimes in the Bible that might seem to imply um, that God changes his mind or that he regrets or that he even repents. Um, and so today we're just going to just flush those out. What are what the world are we supposed to do with that? Episode 136, <laughs> bringing the big dog at yeah. you. So this movement is called open theism. And mm, the people who really think that, yeah, God can change his mind, um, come to the understanding that God does not have omniscience, that God does Mm. not know what's going to happen in the future, Mm. that God's knowledge is limited. And Mm. really the underlying thought there is that God is constantly moving and reacting to what's happening based upon humanity, creation, what's happening. So uh, just to do them justice here, we're going to read you a couple of the scripture passages that are often quoted when it comes to open theism, and yes, that idea that God might change his mind, if, if that person was saying that, what scriptures would they be reading? Sure. Well, one of the ones um, that we'll mention is from Genesis chapter 6, verse 7. This is what it sounds like. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created, and with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I have made them. 1 Samuel 15, 11, I regret that I have made Saul king because he turned away from me and he has not carried out my instructions. Samuel was angry and he cried out to the Lord all that night. And just in Exodus as well, this is Exodus 32, 14. Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. So even if even if you know you're not like someone that is believing in open theism, you know, reading these things, I'm so glad we're talking about them so we can help flesh mm-hmm. out what is um, happening here and have more clarity and understanding. Yeah. So I think there's an underlying thought, though, with the idea that God might change his mind. And, sure. and that would mean right. that God is able to find better options, like mm-hmm, down the road, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which means that God's able to better himself, God's able to improve. And on the flip side of that coin, that God's also able to maybe make errors, mm. possibly sin, and make okay judgments, mm-hmm. right? So the, the Hebrew word, when you're looking at all those passages from Genesis, from 1 Samuel, from Exodus, we've already had one of them, and there's another one coming up in Exodus 32, mm-hmm. that Hebrew word is nakam, nakam. And it's often translated repent or sorrow, but it's also translated to bring comfort. There's a play on words there, and it's almost as if someone sighs mm. when you have that word nakam. Mm-hmm. It's like mm. like your kids are being naughty again, or your roommate annoys you and does that thing they always do, and you're like, <sighs> seriously, like we're gonna do this again? Like I'm more of a growl. Oh yeah, Bobby's more of a. <sighs> More of a growl. Mama bear. 
but it's more <laughs> of like a, ah, oh, like, are you serious? We're going to do this again. Like, this saddens me. This mm-hmm, frustrates mm-hmm. me. This discourages me. Mm-hmm. That's what it's getting at. And that's purposeful. It is. There, yeah. Be- but the hard part here is that the Bible writers are trying to use human words to describe God. Mm-hmm. Trying to use a limited vocabulary to describe an unlimited being. We're finite. He's infinite. And so if you're going to get nerdy and go the big theological words, anthropomorphism. And what that means, <laughs> if you're going to translate that to Clark Corver language, is we're talking in ways that human beings can understand. Yeah. Like good. the Bible is attempting to communicate divine things about God in ways that you and I can get our head around. Now with that, you lose, you know, part of like... Um, I guess you don't have a, a complete and full sense of, of like what things can be. So case in point, like mm. we're talking to our kids about yeah. car tires. Sure. Like, hey, Dad, how does a car go? <laughs> we can't talk to him about rotors and axles and tires and lug nuts and PSI air pressure and all these right. things. And <laughs> use that language. Yeah, and because I don't even know that language anyways. I, I don't know how I just thought <laughs> up of that right <laughs> now. That, I know, me too. But it's like, well, you know, Ooh, son. circle thing go around. The, the, bl- <laughs> the black circle thing is on a, on a pole and it rotates and it goes forward, you know, and there's gasoline that somehow makes it do that. Like, Ooh, that's we're learning a, with them. Yeah, we're, we're, yeah, I, Clark, am learning with them. But I know, we were we were just watching a TV show that had a, kind of this moment. Yeah. One of the thoughts that came to my mind was actually from The Office. I love The Office and will frequently revisit uh, the episodes and seasons that are just the best. And so anyway, in one of them, one of the uh, guys, Oscar, is describing to his boss, Michael Scott, about um, a surplus that they have. <laughs> what? It's, just, it's, a, it's funny. It's funny, yeah. It is super funny. Anyway, the boss doesn't understand what the surplus is. He doesn't understand why there's extra money. And so Oscar... His employee is trying to describe to him, well, Michael says, describe it to me as an eight-year-old. And Oscar says, okay, so, you know, if you look at the graph, you can see on the x-axis that we have, if you follow it all the way down, that we have this much money left over that corporate, um, you know, is going to get if we don't spend it. And Michael looks at him and he's like, tell me, describe it to me as if I'm a (laughs) four-year-old. And Oscar does. And he says, okay, imagine your mommy and daddy gave you $10 to build a lemonade stand. And you got all of your supplies. You got the lemons and, you know, the squeezer and the sugar or whatever. But it only cost you $9. Anyway, and he goes on to explain. And Michael still doesn't understand. All that's to say. That's an anthropomorphism. Yes, he is trying Oscar's trying to describe in language that Michael would understand. He's trying to meet him halfway and yep. say, this is what is happening here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And so when you look at other passages about God, what do we learn? Malachi 3.6, it says, I, the Lord, do not change. So mm-hmm. you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Right, so these are passages that are specifically talking about like the nature of God. Yeah, God does not change. He actually mm-hmm. does not change his mind. He is omniscient. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What yeah, you, James 1, 17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, 
who does not change like shifting shadows. And last but not least, Numbers twenty three nineteen. God is not a human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? And so if you were at Emmanuel when we went through Transformed with Rick Warren a few years back, Rick Warren's huge on the unconditional and conditional promises of God. Mm-hmm. So we're going to try to end this podcast wrapping all this up together for you now. There are unconditional things that God says, I will for sure do. No matter what you do, I'm going to accomplish it. Mm-hmm. It's like the saving work of Jesus Christ. Through mm-hmm. Jesus Christ alone, you have salvation. That's unconditional. It's, it's grace. Unconditional. Someone who has a genuine faith cannot lose it. We've done a podcast mm-hmm. on that, talking about how God will not lose one of his sheep. It's God's work. It's God's grace. The Holy Spirit signs and seals and delivers that on our new hearts. But when you read the Bible and our relationship with God, there are conditional aspects to our relationship with God. So, for instance, Joshua 1, choose this day whom you will serve. You know, that's probably up on your wall in your house. I feel like that's a popular Christian verse that gets put up on decorations. Another conditional response that we've just discussed in the last couple chapters of Exodus, the Ten Mm -hmm. Commandments. If you obey the Ten Commandments, you're going to thrive. If you do not... You will suffer, i.e., the golden calf. They broke a bunch of the commandments right there. It went south real quick. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I think the biggest takeaway here is that God's treatment with us and his grieving over our sin has nothing to do with his character. He's unchanging. He's holy. But it has everything to do with us being obedient or disobedient. Mm. And so, like, there's a, an analogy yeah. that we had come across. You want to give yeah. it to him? Yeah, you were mentioning how this type of obedience is um, like walking into a strong wind. You see, you feel if you're, I'm sorry, if you're disobedient, you feel the wind against you. And when you turn around and you decide to go with the wind at your back, you realize that you're going even faster now. And what you take away from that is that the wind didn't change. You were the one that turned around. And mm-hmm. so that's a, that's such a, an obvious picture in my mind. So helpful. Like, oh, that's right. The wind was the same the whole time. It was actually me. Another one that we just kind of thought of within our own family um, we wrote down is like grieving our kids sin. And so, I mean, you could call this a bribe, you call it whatever you want, but it was our plan was that, okay, if you guys are obedient, you know, if you help and be part of the family and you know, you do, you wipe down the table and you do your, um, you know, your part, your responsibility, you write your sermon for me, then you get it. We'll, you know, have a treat. We'll get an ice cream cone or something. We'll celebrate. And, and if we don't, that's okay, but we're just not, we're not going to have a cone. Mm-hmm. We're not going to have a diso cone. And so what ended up happening was they didn't do it. They yeah. disobeyed. So we were, we were grieved on a couple levels. One, we were grieved because <laughs> our kids weren't listening. But two, Bobby and I really wanted an ice cream cone, and now we're not going to go because we can't go back on our statement. Like, <laughs> doggone no. it. Those kids. So that's in the calm. That's that repent, uh, regret, or have sorrow. Mm-hmm. And... At the end of the day, like God's not changing. His character is not changing. He's not changing his mind. He is omniscient. He knows mm-hmm. how many hairs on your head. He knew you before you were created in the when you're in your mother's womb. When it comes down to like Jesus Christ and the gospel, one of the passages that comes to my mind that really solidifies this idea that God is omniscient. He's always had a plan. He's mm-hmm. unfolding his plan even right now as we speak is 1 Peter 1, verses 18 through 21. And here's what we'll leave you with. It says, For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver and gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to you 
from your ancestors, both the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, Mm. but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, Mm. and so your faith and hope are in God. Again, if I could translate this, anthropomorphism right here, Clark Corver edition, God knew before the creation of the world what creating would require of him. Yeah. First Peter 1 tells us before the creation of the world, Jesus knew he would have to come here and die. Mm-hmm. That's what creating us would, would cause him to have to redeem and restore and, re- and rescue mm-hmm. his bride, his people, you, me, who he loves. So if God knows that before the creation of the world, we think God does not need to change his mind. He's got a plan. Mm-hmm. He's enacting it. It does make him sad when we mess up and we live in sin. But when we repent, you know, he's able to withhold his judgment and justice at times. Yeah. And uh, and so, yeah, we just gave our best attempt at addressing a really big question. <laughs> I hope this was helpful. Yeah, huge question for 10 minutes. Um, it was really helpful for me. So thank you. That's, um, I think, at the heart of sharing this with you is that when difficult things arise, let's uh, talk about them in dialogue and let's search for truth and let's not shy away. So we're so grateful the Lord meets us in that. Hope you guys are encouraged today. God bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his countenance towards you and give you his peace. Have a great day.